everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Today, the Middle East is in chaos. The growing disorder in the resource-rich region brings critical security risk to each and every nation, its government, industries, organizations, academia, and individuals, in short referred to as NGIOAI, in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short referred to as CGS. While Middle East has had a rich past, over the years, it has declined and currently is going through great turbulence and is likely facing a very uncertain future. So the question is, how has this region that was once so rich in its civilization, religion, science, progress and development, and which has been historically an interconnection of people, trade, ideas and innovation, completely lost its way? Does it have anything to do with its natural resources? Or is it the region's governance framework, its ecosystem and effectiveness that is at the you know, root cause of the problem? The complex challenges brought on by the growing turbulence in the Middle East necessitates an understanding and evaluation of the geopolitics of natural resources and the role it plays in global security. There is a widespread belief that the battle for natural resources has left a lasting and more often than not earth-shattering impact on Middle East nations and its associated politics, stakeholders, people, environment, resources, and economies. In addition, the broken spirit of people, the governance model and systems that curtail innovations, and lack of desire to compete constructively on a global stage is a great cause of concern. Amidst this dark scenario, the Middle East nuclear race is already underway. While the global community works towards constraining the Middle East nuclear ambitions, the question is, will they be able to? So where does the Middle East go from here? To discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Moji Kerian. Moji is the founding, founder and managing director at CGSRS, which stands for Center for Geopolitics and Security in Realism Studies based in London, UK. Welcome, Moji. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you for having me, Sherry. Wonderful, Moji. So let's begin with this, you know, very fundamental question. How would you describe Middle East geopolitics, its past and present today? Uh, as you know, uh, Middle East is the uh, chaos, uh, center of chaos, basically, yes. from not now, even not recently. Uh, presence of the uh, is happening to be a chaos from more than centuries and I would I would uh, say uh, especially from last 28 years which is the first uh, Gulf War and second and we are witnessing the uh, Iraq Afghanistan and Syria which is the, uh, the worst of it describe the worst uh, terrorist organization they are leading these part of the countries and as you uh, pointed out rightly uh, some of the issues is regarding the uh, geopolitics resource natural resources and the others is uh, about government which is uh, if we can go through uh, the goals of these terrorist groups, we can see uh, they are saying to us clearly what they are trying to achieve and is not 
nothing but the, uh, uh, the, the gaining more territory in Iraq and Syria to have the, uh, uh, to have the uh, state, as they are saying, Islamic state. However, um, I think they achieved very, uh, in terms of territory, they achieved very, very good uh, uh, result to this moment. Yes, yes, no, that is very true. Now, there are many who say that the key features of the emergent Middle East geopolitics are failed states of so many of its nations, humiliated and lost citizens, crippled and constrained economies, and so much more. Now, all these individually and collectively play a direct role in security risk at all levels, irrespective of whether it's local, national, regional, and global. Now, these are very, pretty, very complex risks to be managed. How do you think the global community will be, or you know, even Middle East, will be able to manage this risk? Uh, I, I, I would say uh, this is really, really complex issue. And even if we finish the war as it is right now, it will take 20 and might be even more to 50, uh, or might some uh, argue even more. Uh, it will take to rebuild the society and community and the, all the uh, basically country as today they are suffering. And moreover, the people of Middle East, I would say, they are, uh, they are seeking uh, dignity, which is, uh, is, is part of human security. When you achieve dignity, you are secure with the, in terms of human security, which is today, if you talk to many of these uh, people who join ISIS or other groups, they are saying, we are looking for dignity. They might, in a wrong place, however, they are uh, trying to get what they didn't get so far. Yes. Yes, no, that is very, very true. They are looking for dignity, they are looking for respect, and they are looking for an opening and a way to integrate into this global, you know, community, into the global age, and they are not able to find that, you know, opening. And that is a, uh, what is probably frustrating the, them a lot. Now, there are some who say that the current state of Middle East is a product of recurring geopolitical crises as time and time again, they have gone through utter destruction. The first crisis probably began with the collapse of the Ottoman Empire after World War I. The second crisis followed World War II, where the European colonial order crumbled. And the third crisis of geopolitics is perhaps ongoing right now. It's on its way currently. And uh, how is, I mean, what are the fundamental challenges in the Middle East that causes them to go through this, you know, again and again? Uh, I, I think that, that that is a start from 100 years ago after World War I, uh, which is, has happened to... Uh, we have the countries as we have today in Middle East. Most of them are created after Sachs-Pico agreement. Uh, and, and even if you go even through the, uh, the, 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 the announcement of ISIS uh, about what they try to achieve and what is their goal, they are saying 
uh, is uh, they are not uh, committed anymore to such people agreement, which is might many of your uh, viewers are be uh, surprised what I'm saying, but this is one of the uh, slogans they have, and they, uh, they, they, they document it. If you go through uh, some of their uh, publishing, and like EMAC, uh, which is, they are published in, in monthly basis, uh, they are saying, uh, what's happened 100 years ago between two countries, which is what sucks, Prime uh, Minister of England and Pico, French Prime Minister, and they uh, created basically uh, from Lebanon to Jordan to uh, uh, many other other countries like Gulf countries, like Emirates, like uh, Qatar, like Bahrain. They they they, they created after this uh, uh, agreement. And what's happened? You can see there are really straight lines between countries if you look at the, the map today, you can notice what is, uh, you can see is the actual straight map, which is happened to uh, split it between two monarch uh, families, which is the uh, Hashemite family. We have Saudis, we have uh, al, -Al Khalifa family, which is in Bahrain, and Ben Hamid Sultan in Qatar, and so on. So on. So what we are seeing today is not actually new. Uh, this is the uh, result of the uh, Sox-Pico argument, as you pointed out, of the collapse of Ottoman Empire. So um, we are seeing the ongoing conflict, basically, after collapse of uh, Ottoman Empire between regional players. Yes, no, that is very good assessment. and. Uh, you're right about that. Now, it is said that for the last century, the Middle East has become synonymous with energy resources. Is Middle East still about energy resources or is it more than that? Uh, again, yes, I, I think it's part of this complex, uh, this complex conflicts are based on uh, resources, natural resources which is uh, oil, uh, if you are uh, looking at oil, is the, uh, more than 60% of the oil of all world is supplying from Middle East. So is, uh, it, what is telling us, it is a very, very uh, fragile and important and uh, uh, is basically part of the world in terms of energy, uh, if you like. And, uh, of course, some of the, uh, uh, the, the, the arguments they are saying even all conflicts are based on the oil and natural resources. I would say, no, this is my personal view. I don't think so. It's all about, but part of the, the conflicts are natural resources. Yes, yes. Uh, the Middle East nuclear race is already underway based on you know many reports that I have gone through. Now, while the global community work towards constraining Middle East nuclear ambition, in your assessment, will they be able to? Do you think the global community is in a position to prevent nuclear proliferation in the Middle East? Because we see that Egypt is you know working towards that. 
most of the sunni power nations are working towards that uae united arab emirates you know is working towards that and of course you know iran so where do we stand on this how would we prevent this uh, uh or should we prevent this or should we prevent this uh, so, so actually I, I, I would say uh, this is already is prevented uh, i mean in in if you start from iran as in last January, we we seen the uh, really good agreement between uh, Five Plus One and Iran, which is uh, again it was a good agreement in terms of prevent all further conflicts between uh, Iran or other uh, Western countries or power powerful country like the USA. China or so forth, so on. Uh, but uh, I, I think after 13 years, very uh, tough negotiation between Iran and five plus, uh, five plus one, they uh, came out with the uh, result of agreement, which is the end of the uh, uh, sort of political uh, conflict between West and Iran. And I guess by preventing Iran, the U.S. will be able to prevent others or at least control their, uh, their uh, ambitions, nuclear ambitions at least. Uh, like, uh, as we know, Saudi Arabia is starting a nuclear power uh, energy system, and Egypt, Turkey, Jordan. But uh, we should keep in our mind it is all of this is for nuclear uh, peaceful purposes actually and as long as they are joining IEA they are stacking in a highly highly very good uh, uh, inspection of the uh, IEA and I, I would say that this is not gonna be a, a same case of case of Iran if we witness it in the last 13, 10 years. Let, let's see, you know, how it shapes and how the tomorrow shapes up. So now most nations are advancing rapidly towards a digital global age. While we are, you know, facing some uh, turbulence at this point, but the globalization and digitalization is going forward. Now, based on the current state of affairs in the Middle East, what would you describe as the root cause of the complex challenges facing the Middle East today that would prevent its nations, its government, its industries, organizations, academia, and even individuals from effective integration into a digital global age? Uh, I think in Middle East, based on technology and uh, uh, actually, uh, like percentage of user of the community or society uh, in, in uh, Iran, in Turkey, in Saudi Arabia, in Bahrain, is, is, is they are raising in double since 2008. Basically, we, we have in Iran, for example, uh, about now 40 million people who are using internet which is, it was in 2008, half of the uh, 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 40 millions was about 20. So, and it's applying to the other country as well. And it is, uh, and as you pointed out, it's a global world now. The people are 
dealing with each other in in terms of uh, you might call it diplomacy people to people people i mean directly as a result of the technology i think we can uh, comes out with the better result of understanding of the world and what is going outside of your borders in if you are a citizen of for example Bahrain and if you want to be in touch with someone in New York, you can uh, basically exchange your idea, exchange your culture, exchange your uh, many other things which can bring for us, I would say, a stability and security. You are absolutely right and that is the hope that the technology will be able to solve many complex problems that our traditional diplomacy, our traditional way nations govern and, you know, uh, try to interact with each other, they are not able to do. Technology will be able to break those barriers. So let's hope that technology plays an important role and they are able to bring the integration of people from each and every nation across you know, each and every region. So let's hope uh, for that. And uh, we wish that you know it goes forward in the positive uh, way. Now, there are reports that the Middle East is the most militarized region in the world and are a very large buyer of military arms. Now, while the air, water, and land military weapons certainly impact the global security, how would the militarization of the cyberspace, that is the cyber weapons that are being created and cyber destruction and cyber warfare that has already started in Middle East region, you know, how would that uh, impact the region further? As, uh... Again, is 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 about the how the governments react in terms of how they try to resolve this problem, as you said, militarization of the uh, uh, region. If we don't end off the war in Iraq and Syria, and basically is the huge uh, con uh, uh, connection to the invasion of, invention of Iraq, 2003, and I, I would say this is the uh, result of invasion of Iraq and we have today, and uh, it will take lots of time, lots of courage, lots of uh, 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 life, I would say, to come out from this conflict and make uh, a, stability, a stability of the, uh, uh, I would say, Middle East and the countries like Iraq and Syria, which is, is involving with horrendous of uh, uh, involvement of terrorism and is not just about today or next 10 years the new generation will suffer for a long time in terms of human security as they have in their mind and uh, again education can solve the problem but again we need two generations to solve that kind of uh, complex issue you're absolutely right. And speaking about education, uh, I mean, there are many who are concerned. There is a growing concern of the failing state of education in the Middle East because it affects not only the regional security, but also global security. So how do you see that changing? Because the state of education, the education system in so many Middle East nations 
is not on par with the global you know uh, community or the rest of the nations that have a really good uh, education system so how would we uh, be able to change that uh in terms of education i, I think the middle east is doing well right now uh, of course till now uh, we are not having really good results of education in middle east but if you see, uh, for example, uh, Saudi Arabia or other countries like Iran, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and uh, others countries like Qatar, they are investing highly on education. And uh, if you start from Saudi Arabia, you can see millions of Saudi students are uh, studying in uh, Western countries like uh, USA, like Canada, like United Kingdom or uh, even Australia. So uh, I would say in next generation, we have a very, very different environment in terms of uh, young youth educated people who are coming up in terms of to go to the, uh, uh, each component of the uh, government society, which will help to inform your society informed reform your uh, government basically and uh, even like countries like iran they have four more than 50 actually more than 50 percent of the uh, students are women and you have 265,000 uh, graduate people per year which is it will tell you in next generation, you will get the good results out of all of these uh, numbers. That is, that is good to know. Now, over the last few years, we all have, the world has seen a wave of rising anger across the Middle East. What do you think is the reason behind this anger and the subsequent uprisings that followed? Uh, I think, as I mentioned, uh, 10 minutes ago, I think people of Middle East are seeking for dignity. Uh, I mean, USA or other countries, in one hand, they are trying to protect and be committed to their liberal value. And the other hand, they are selling highly to the uh, very rogue government, uh, military equipment, which is people of the region they are observing very closely to see and they get nothing but contradiction between uh, western countries they are coming out of the uh, uh, basically they are trying to say they want to inject democracy to the middle east but yet people are not getting uh, nothing else but repression by the rogue countries uh, like uh, Syria, like, uh, like Iraq, so on. And, and I think the dignity is the most important things people of Middle East are trying to achieve. As, as you can see, and if you can refer to the terrorists who are, uh, we had some study on, on, on the interviews, all of them, they, are, they, are, they tell you, is not based on religion, or at least most of them. Most of them, they, they will tell you they are looking for dignity and democracy. Mm. And what they are 
trying to do is not based on religion or other things. I see, I see. Now, it, let, let's see, let's talk about the changing uh, fundamentals of the energy sector. It seems that energy security is a growing concern for a lot of nations, for all nations, developed or developing, rich or poor alike. Now, as for some reports, while the past drive for fossil fuel energy, or especially oil, let's talk about that, has reportedly led to many wars, efforts, and investment into these alternative energy sources is not enough to help the sector reach the finish line where nations can depend on its energy security and sustainability on alternative energy sector on all different you know uh, solar and other fields that we are seeing right now so how will this region manage its security if alternative energy succeeds because you know if you see a lot of these nations in middle east they are dependent only on their oil revenues they don't have other industries that are well developed and advanced on which their nation can depend on so what what would happen to those nations if the alternative energy sector succeeds the way some are hoping that it is going to succeed in very near future. Now, what changes do you see to the geopolitics at all levels, local, national, regional, and global, if that happens? Uh, I think we will have a, a better, I would say, region and a more stable region if the countries are going out of the, their comfort zone, which is this uh, uh, energy supplying energy uh, like Saudi Arabia uh, and, and and they start actually they, they passed the uh, uh, law uh, to their parliament a couple of weeks ago and they they they, they what is the purpose of the uh, uh, the law is they tried and they will start to uh, to build the country uh, based on not just energy resources and and push others other uh, areas in terms of uh, in education in terms of uh, engineering and others uh, part of the country can be involved and make more uh, basically good and stable economies in in middle east and even if you have for example iran again uh, they are the countries depend on the oil just 40 percent, unlike others in in, uh, in Gulf countries, Persian Gulf regions. And we have Turkey is absolutely out of the uh, this argument, but the Gulf countries, basically Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar and uh, Emirates, which is they are more than 70% of the uh, 60 to 70% of the oil and gas is coming from this region. Uh, and I think out of all of these countries, Iran and Saudi Arabia, they start to come out of the new plan based on geopolitics and uh, the uh, natural resources for the future. Yes, now you made a very good point that, you know, getting out of the comfort zone would be a good thing for them. And I agree to that, that it will be a good thing. It will force them to innovate. It will force them to come up with new ideas and new innovations. So let's hope for that. Now, 
uh, apart from the alternative energy sources, there are also great advances in the extracting techniques of hydrocarbons from shale, as you, I'm sure you have heard by now. And it is that is altering the oil and gas sector. You know, the North American uh, shale gas uh, industry is altering the oil and gas sector uh, globally. So. Uh, and the whole global energy landscape is changing. So how do you see the growth in North American oil supply impact Middle East and uh, cloud the global energy markets and security horizon in a ways that Middle East is probably not prepared for? Uh, I, I don't, to be honest, I'm not really aware of the North America, uh, the, uh, what is going on right now on the ground. But uh, uh, I would say, as we have in North America, the big suppliers are Venezuela, Bolivia, and US itself, and plus Canada sometimes. But uh, this, it will be really a game changer if they try to supply more uh, oil, which is uh, already, if, you, if we look at the uh, oil prices, which is dropped from last year, and it was really shock for uh, all the suppliers, all the suppliers, and uh, and I, I would say it was the based on the uh, agreement be, uh, between Iran and Five Plus, plus One, which it was one of the reason to be happening for dropping the oil price. And I, I would say again, if it's happening again in terms of dropping the uh, pro, uh, the price of oil. Uh, we will see a conflict between at least the major exports of oil in like Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia. Uh, we will see a big conflict in terms of producing the oil for the markets. Yes, yes, yes. Now, let's talk about Iran. Iran has had a turbulent history from past to present. Based on your assessment, where is Iran going? I think in the next 20 years, Iran have a really bright future, uh, as I understand. If, uh, at least economically and politically, they go through a very smooth and very soft change, I would say, a reform of the uh, uh, very, very smoothly changing People are, I think, people of Iran, they understood, they, they, they had one uh, revolution, which it was 38 years ago. And they are not looking, uh, uh, I guess, uh, they are not looking for the uh, revolution. They try just to reform the system uh, very smoothly. It, it might take for a long, they might like to need to work on it for a long time. But the uh, result would be a really good because when you look back and see even their uh, revolution or other revolution is happening in the region, you will see there is no good result whatsoever in terms of uh, we did, we raised for democracy, we raised for uh, uh, many things in the region, but it will never happen to be a really good result, but I think they are uh, moving towards democracy and stability. But are the nations ready for democracy? 
Uh, as I said, I, I think in, 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 as I mentioned, 20 years, in one generation, two generations, it, you can transform the result and the uh, stability for uh, next 25, 30 years, you're off your head. Yes. So what do you think is the key to stability in the Middle East? Uh, definitely security, as we don't have it in, in, in Middle East. We don't have security. Security comes off out of the good governance, uh, is, I, I think is one of them. Uh, and we don't have it, and they don't have it. People of Middle East, they don't have a good governance. And I, I would say without exception, and or at least most of them are uh, suffering, people of Middle East suffering under the dictatorship in Middle East. And the other reason I would add is the uh, people are Middle East, they are, they are complaining, they are keep saying, what's happened for the democracy? What's happened for the, uh, uh, the promises the governments give them? And they get nothing but uh, might be in some cases uh, suppression and suffering for a long time. The key to security, I mean, the security, talking about security, security in cyberspace, geospace, and space, it requires integrated effort of everyone, nation, government, industries, yes. organizations, academia, individuals. Do you see any such initiative have on going there right now where people are, everyone is, you know, collectively putting together their thoughts, brainstorming, and how to, you know, make their uh, country, if you talk about just about any single nation in the Middle East, that, okay, for securing our country, these are the things we need to do collectively, independently and collectively, because security is a very complex challenge. And the, so it, do you see any such kind of effort going on there? Unfortunately not. And I, I think it, uh, it's, it's not going to happen in, even in the next 20 or 10 years, because security it comes out of the stability, it comes out of the education, it comes, as you pointed out, many other things. It's very complex. But again, uh, the, 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 the governments of the uh, Middle East, they need to understand we are living in a global uh, world now. And security is kind of chain, and all of us are uh, basically, uh, we cannot achieve any uh, stability from uh, on security of the neighbors or others. If we get stability in any part of the world, is actually affecting other parts as well. We might have in, uh, in Middle East, a conflict or chaos, but we can see this conflict is not limited to the geography or uh, the, the, the Middle East, uh, actually. It's, uh, we can see it's happening in, in Paris, it's happening in Baghdad, it's happened in, the, in um, Orlando, it's happened in many other uh, locations, which is, it can show us and tell us it's not about the region. And the security is the, uh, uh, the products of the, uh, uh, you know, to be united actually is between countries. And they, they, they try to achieve this stability and security.
Yes, yes. And the, the nature, I mean, the whole uh, definition and nature and approach of security is changing. And uh, there were many nations who were just dependent on energy resources as the you know security source. And as long as they were able to sell their oil, they thought they are secure, their nations are secure. And they were, all the years, energy has been used as a weapon. Energy resource has been used as a weapon. So when we talk about use of energy as a weapon, nation states remain the most important actor in the geopolitics of energy, most important factors. They retain the power at home and the authority for initiating actions that comes from self-defined national interest because they want without energy, uh, without their oil resources and oil revenues, the country is going to fall apart. So, but at the same time, they are also in, in a complex energy international system where oil and gas is increasingly not the only source that you know nations depends on as they move towards a number of state you know different energy sources so how are these uh, nations who have been using energy as a weapon you know coming to the reality that they won't be able to use the energy as a weapon for many more years i mean in the coming years as effectively as they were you know using it uh, over the years you're absolutely right. A hammer can build the house and at the same time can destroy the house. Uh, this is the really good weapon as they are using it for a long time. Uh, and, the, and most, unfortunately, most of these incomes are going through uh, to repress their uh, citizens. And I think since we have this brilliant of the internet, uh, from last decade, life and world is completely different. And we cannot go through the same system and they have. They cannot continue what they are trying to do uh, today as they did before. And they need definitely to change their, uh, their, uh, their attitude, the, the, the outcome. They, 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 they are they're treating of their uh, citizens, basically. Uh, and I think as long as we have the, the petroleum dollars under hand of dictators, we cannot have the uh, stability, security, and good life for the city. Yes. Unless they are coming out of the, uh, they are coming to conclusion of, is they can influence others, but in a really, soft and good way, not in a way of, uh, I mean, we are creating basically police states or army states to repress your citizens. Yes. yes. What are the trends you see currently in the Middle East? Uh, I, uh, it's really depressing. Uh, it, it might be really depressing, but I, I think for now is we cannot have uh, any hope for Middle East until at least, uh, I would say, at least we are solving this problem with uh, these uh, two terrorist groups or others like uh, 
ISIS, like Al-Qaeda or Jabhat al-Nusra or so forth, so on, which is, I think, if we don't uh, solve this problem, actually, we will get even more disability and more conflicts and more insecurity for the future. Yes, um, it's very gloomy, but I hear you on that. Now, let's talk about cyberspace and cybersecurity. As we all know, there's a vicious power struggle raging on in the cyberspace. This new cyber battleground is full of unknowns, including who are the major players, who are the minor players, what are the rules of war, and what are the reasons for war. Now, in these cyber battlefields, the war casualties have been quietly piling up. It seems every nation, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, that is NGIOA, has been hit and is at risk of being hit. Nobody is being spared, including common citizens, irrespective of which nation. So how prepared is the Middle East to address cyber warfare? Uh, as long as I am aware of the uh, space warfare, uh, I think they are far, far away from that kind of uh, technology or outcome to have any kind of plan, actually, uh, to get uh, be involved in that kind of conflicts or areas. And I, I don't think so, and I don't see, really, for next uh, couple of decades, uh, Middle East can be involved in such areas as a uh, major player. And it seems Iran has put in a lot of resources in cyber. Uh... That, 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 that's right, but uh, they, are, uh, they are in the beginning of the way of their, uh, which it might take 40, 50 years from now. And uh, as you know, this is not the uh, area, not many countries actually, they have the uh, technology and ability to be involved in such uh, area. I see, I see. How is the digitalization effort? Because now, because of the computer core, connected computers and internet, everything is connected, the geospace to cyberspace to space. So is the Middle East, how is Middle East reacting to the blurring boundaries of cyberspace with geospace and space and the blurring battleground in CGS, that means cyberspace, geospace and space? Because so far, people were, the security approach, security methodology, tools and technology that every nation was using had been very different. Now, because of the digitization of pretty much everything, every industry, every the way we do things, it has completely changed now. So how is Middle East reacting to these blurring boundaries of CGS? But, uh, thanks to the technology, uh, I think uh, the, the technology are forcing the government to come with the uh, better result, better vision, better uh, priority, better uh, uh, area for this, their citizen, uh, as they cannot avoid it, really. And they cannot uh, escape from this uh, area to, uh, as we can see, most of the countries in Middle East are totalitarian regimes, and they try to ban their uh, citizens from internet and other area in uh, digital space. So uh, I think so so far uh, so far is is really good. The result was really good, I, I would say, and we can see 
in Middle East, the, the result and the uh, uh, people who are using internet gradually is, is increasing. And, and I think in next couple of years, not more than 10 years, I would say most of the people, at least more than 80 people are having access to the internet. So talking about development of cyber skill, how is the Middle East education system preparing the students, which is in a sense, you know, the tomorrow for each and every nation? How are they preparing their students for the necessary cyber skill sets? Uh, in Middle East area, I guess in countries between uh, just Iran is having the uh, kind of program, I think they are practicing this kind of program and no one else, I mean, if, except the, uh, further down, India, which is they are, or China, they are, they are uh, one of the best or top five, top ten, the countries in, uh, in terms of space or Russia or uh, United States. I think just the country who are practicing and exercising in that area is Iran. And they are doing well, I think, in terms of which they, they started from the scratch with themselves. And as you know, they are banned and uh, they are suffering under the uh, sanctions for a couple of very specific uh, uh, subjects to even study out of the country. So they are trying to be more engaged with Russians. I think, and they are cooperating in some ways uh, to gain uh, more, basically, knowledge for uh, space and the uh, warfare space. And they are uh, having, the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for next two months or three, they are having a joint uh, exercise for uh, space, uh, to the kind of education, actually, engagement with them. I see, I see. Now, what is the state of investment in cyber technology or developing its infrastructure or expertise? I mean, we just talked about the education needs that, you know, uh, the Middle East nations has to prepare the students for the coming tomorrow. But how much investment is pouring in that, you know, to develop the products and services and infrastructure and expertise and skill set that is required for the preparation towards an integration and preparation towards the digital global age? I, uh, I have no really uh, idea about how they are able to grow because it's not my uh, area. I'm not trying to give you uh, very unacceptable reasons. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, again, they are far, far from that kind of technology. I see, I see. Now, there is a widespread belief that the oil revenues that have been generated over the years has, some of, it, some of that has gone towards terrorist organizations, uh, that promotes radical Islam. Right. What is the impact? What is the impact of oil revenues and the war on radical Islam? Uh, I, I think it's played a really uh, major role. Uh, I would say, which uh, if you have the report from, they are saying they uh, they have income. Uh, ISIS they have income two million dollars a year day 
from selling the ores to the others. And uh, as we had the reports again, we have seen it sold to the uh, some countries in the region. And it is really uh, disturbing and uh, kind of might be, we should say, strange because uh, under the control of the U.S., if you sell even one barrel of the uh, oil or trans, even one kind of very small transaction between countries or even uh, individuals or even the uh, small companies, is they, they can find out. But uh, we we seen that they are really openly and freely they are uh, uh, doing their uh, sales always to the region, to the some countries in the region, as we know. Yes, yes. Now, extremists and terrorists are common constant across nations. Each nation has them. However, the fierceness and intensity that we see from extremists and terrorists coming from Middle East region is very unique. What is the reason behind that? As because I, I think is we have the, the, the region who is suffering from the, the back, back from years and years, decades and decades of conflicts. So I, I think it's very normal if we have that kind of result. And uh, unfortunately, as I said, if we don't stop, we will have the same or even worse uh, situation in the near future. Yes. Now, Moji, I have taken so much of your time. You are a busy man, and I, uh, I would like to, you know, thank you for uh, take, participating in Risk Roundup and sharing your thoughts and insight into the Middle East, which is a very complex challenge for the global community. But this is my last question to you uh, before I go towards the closing statement: Is that if you had the power to change the course of Middle East from living in an isolation age towards and to go towards the digital global age where they integrate effectively, what steps would you take to bring that change? The first step, I think you have already uh, taken uh, that is going to help Middle East. You have started your think tank. You are talking about the challenges and complex challenges uh, that Middle East faces. You are giving a voice to them. You are giving a voice for the, you know, uh, the security risks that they are facing. That is a step that we all can take by being vocal, by you know, raising uh, awareness about the complex challenges the na Middle East na nations face independently and collectively. You, that you are doing that, I am doing that. There are many, many more you know, organizations and people like us who are you know, doing yeah. their part. But what else, if you had the power, actual power to take those steps, what would you, you know, those steps be that you would take to bring that change in Middle East? Uh, again, I think I'm a child of enlightenment, and I think education can change it. Uh, and the only weapon we can, and we should actually equip ourselves, is education. Education can solve at least most of these problems we named today. And yes, just education for the first uh, steps, and I think there is chance comes behind education yes yes that is very true education and awareness we have to uh, take that step uh, step as a first step and uh, 
we have to hope that you know that uh, brings the kind of uh, desire in each and every individual that is in the middle east to do something positive constructing with their lives and you know to play a important role in the digital globalize that is shaping up so what is the way forward middle east has in the past provided an ecosystem where numerous progressive developments have occurred from scientific discoveries to giving rise to the persian arab and ottoman empires and so much more with right leadership right planning and right preparation it can do it again to begin with the middle east it to begin they need collaboration and cooperation of ngioa apart from the education and awareness efforts that you know we all are doing in that area they need collaboration and cooperation of ngioa that means nations its government industries organizations and academia both within and across its boundaries in cyberspace geospace and space that is cgs for balanced economic development without courageous and collaborative approach and actions of ngioa the future seems to be very bleak for the people of the middle east there is also critical need for developing an ecosystem in cyberspace geospace and space where innovation ideas progress and development becomes a daily routine due to the collaborative and constructive actions of government industries organizations academia and individuals all together collectively innovation and security will develop stall or decline in the middle east based on policy decisions and its relationship to people processes and technologies irrespective of cyberspace geospace or space and its ecosystem risk group cybersecurity risk research center and strategic security risk research center are created for this very reason to identify evaluate and manage the risk facing ngioa in cgs discuss debate and define necessary framework governance structure uh, processes tools and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age but also of the coming technological super convergence we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict risk management is related to the management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations tradition becomes our security so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayeshi Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.